Hello everyone and welcome to One Control War Podcast, episode 153. I'm Benjamin Yoder here today talking about video games and, uh, and this week we have a good mix of uh, of old and new. It's just not all, it's not all old stuff. Uh, I did go ahead and play through uh, Chip Chan Kick for the PCFX, which if you didn't see, I streamed that on a uh, Saturday this this uh, weekend. So the, the full stream is up on the website if you want to see it. And Chip Chan Kick is uh, is pretty fun. It's basically, I guess you could call it like a bubble bobble clone. You're like these little girls that have these, uh, these Puyo Puyo looking things and you throw them at enemies and it stuns them and then you kick them. And then similar to like in Bubble Bobble, how you have the water balls that like pop in the water kind of flushes the stage or flushes water down the stage and like grabs a bunch of enemies and stuff. Uh, Chip Chan kicks enemies like roll across the uh, ground through down the level and so if they hit any other enemies it basically combos them and they all explode and then turn into power-ups or 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 food that you can collect for points it's basically like six stages with 10 rounds at each stage and then each stage ends with like a couple of boss fights you fight uh, a little character who runs around usually that's the easier part of the boss fight it can get challenging depending on the layout of the levels and like the types of enemies in them uh but but uh the the real major final boss are are after you beat these little characters and around uh these mechs that come out and uh and these mechs have different bullet types they do spread shots they will like rain missiles from from above and things like that uh and you basically either will want to try to knock enemies into them to deal damage which the nice thing about knocking enemies into them is that you're usually kind of out of harm's way for the most part um, but you can also just hit them directly with your Puyo and like basically smack them to do damage. The biggest problem with that is that you don't have a ton of reach on your Puyo. You can get like a power up that, uh, now I'm just calling it a Puyo, even though it's not definitely not a Puyo, but, um, but you can just like grab a power up that extends the length of your throw. So you can get a bit safer, but your character kind of doesn't move particularly fast either. There's also a power up to increase your movement speed. Uh, so it's like really hard if a boss just basically starts to approach you uh, that to get out of the way because they're often take up like a third of the screen and you typically, if you don't have a power up, you don't walk or you don't move as fast as they move. So so you need to keep your distance and kind of throw this Puyo at them nonstop to deal damage. Uh, some of the bosses are definitely more challenging than others. There's a couple that are like supposed to be challenge, challenging, but you kind to find out like because of how how it's set up there's like this this robot that like shoots lasers out of his eye because it's only like one laser beam that comes out of one particular part it's just like super easy to dodge versus like the first boss who just like is constantly throwing feathers at you and everything in like a spread shot order so so it's just like way harder to to defeat the first boss than it is like the fifth boss in the game it's pretty short though i beat it in about three hours that i saw that the long play on youtube was like an hour and a half long so if you didn't like die or in the case of me just like accidentally soft reset the game on <laughs> like on the final boss um then then i think you can beat it uh quite a bit quicker there's a hard mode too i haven't seen look to see if there's a different ending if you do hard mode uh, a lot of PCFX games that I've played, and by a lot, I mean like three, <laughs> um, if you beat them on hard versus uh, normal, you typically get like a special credit sequence or, or something like that. So I don't know, maybe I'll do the hard mode in my free time at some point, but I'm not super desperate for it. The story for Chip Chan Kick is pretty cute. Uh, it's basically just these girls who transform into these like, I guess you call them animal people slightly. They have like little ears and tails. Uh, and then you're basically helping this lady who came out like was knocked out of this rock and there's like a demon dude who came out with her and I guess they're trying to enslave the world or something or enslave the city you're in at least so you stop them from doing that uh, it does come from that um uh, but the the developer is like a uh, cyber tech custom and they come from a line of like pc98 erotic games so there's there is like some fan service there and the characters are very much like super chibi and small 
So uh, I think that would probably bother some people, but it's mostly in the opening cutscenes of the game. Once you get to the second cut, or the once you get to the cutscenes between the levels, there's really not a lot of that stuff at all. And obviously, you can skip the cutscenes. So if you didn't want to see it, you could just you know go right past it. And it's a fun, cute little game. Uh, it's probably one of the most playable or most accessible games on the PCFX that I've played, at least. Uh, that's for sure. Unfortunately, it's also in being the most accessible. It's also the most expensive. I think during the stream, I looked up the cost, and it's like five hundred dollars to buy a copy. So. So uh, I uh, I definitely just burned the game uh, because nobody's making any money off Chip Chan Kick anymore. It'd be nice if somebody re-released it, but I, I I have my doubts. Anybody's looking at the PCFX library at this point and being like, how can we how can we resell this uh, today? I mean, it'd be great if somebody did, but but I highly doubt it. So, but yeah, it's it's fun and cute, and I'd recommend playing it if you're not gonna pay the five hundred dollars to get it. Either you know burning a copy or or playing it via emulator or something like that. For more modern games, although this is a pretty old game at this point, I played the Uncharted 4 multiplayer. If you weren't around a handful of months ago, I played the Uncharted 2 and 3 multiplayer, but I have yet to play Uncharted uh, single player at all. So so my understanding of the Uncharted series is entirely from a multiplayer perspective. Um, and I'll say that Uncharted 4 is cool in some ways and then also very limiting in others when it comes to the multiplayer. Uh, if you ever played Uncharted 2 and 3, kind of the, the neat thing about those games is you have the ability to kind of climb on a lot of the environments in that game. So there's a lot of buildings you could climb on, things like that. And there weren't a ton of restrictions, so there definitely were places you couldn't climb up, but there were a lot of options for you to climb on places um, that that were, you know, within the level itself. Uncharted 4, it seems like they really restricted that down to just, like, a handful of places that you can kind of climb up onto. There's only, like, sometimes buildings that look like they'd be very obvious that you should be able to get on and kind of, like, camp out on. Uh, they don't let you do that, or at least I haven't found a way to get up there. Um, so it's a little disappointing in that regard. It feels a lot more restrictive and that they've kind of limited, uh, your paths through a level to particular, you know, actual paths to go through rather than your ability to kind of like scale an environment and go over, which I think in the end probably introduced a lot of issues in terms of, you know, at least for like the wave based mode, there's a lot of times you could get above like enemies in a certain pot spot and it'd be fairly cheap that you can sit there and just like shoot down at them uh but you know i think it was still very fun to do it that way i i, I just think it made it a bit more uh unique compared to other shooters i've played uncharted 4 really relies on the grapple hook mechanic so you have the ability to kind of grapple around the environment and swing yourself around which is really fun um i just haven't found a lot of use for it so far uh at least strategically it's more of a just kind of get around the level thing more than it is like a actually fight enemies thing um and you know you can do some things off it like attack off of it or or shoot from it or throw grenades from it so there are some cool things you can do but it does feel like just super risky and 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 there's no at least so far there's been no real payoff to doing it for me uh but i think we're gonna play that a bit more we played through all these uh survival rounds for the normal mode i believe and I think we're going to try hard. I don't know about crushing difficulty. We did finish all the crushing ones, I think, in Uncharted 3 when we played that. Um, so so we'll see. There's a lot of microtransactions in that game, too, unfortunately. Like, almost everything, it feels like, as microtransactions. There are loot boxes that you can buy if you do, like, these daily challenges and stuff like that using, like, in-game currency. But I, I don't know. It feels just kind of overly packed with 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 uh, microtransaction stuff in a way that feels kind of discouraging. It's like 
it's like the stuff you need to play is there. Like, there's no point when I was playing that I was like, oh, it would be, at least so far, there's been no point when I was playing and be like, oh, it'd be nice if I could do this, you know, but I don't have, I'm not going to spend the real money to do it. Um, it, it feels like a complete game, but the amount that they kind of shove it in your face, uh, when you're like going through your inventory, trying to equip stuff, it's just like everything is just there with a giant lock icon. on. It's like, okay, I unlocked one hat and I got to go through these 400 hats and find the one that I've unlocked through the loot box. But, you know, I could see all the real money they cost and things like that. That kind of stuff was kind of annoying. But it's generally been pretty fun. Uh, I don't really know what our plans are with Uncharted 4. Uh, in the case of Uncharted 2 and 3, I had a friend who was trying to kind of uh, max out his character rank, I think. Or, or at least, like, finish out some particular trophies or something like that. I can't remember for sure. Uh, I think he's done a lot of that stuff with Uncharted 4 already. He's played it a bit uh, before us. Um, so I think it's just kind of more of a casual thing while we try to figure out what the next like long-term, uh, multiplayer game is going to be. This is the group that I play God Eater with and we finished God Eater 2 a while back ago. We were going to try, I mentioned this last week, we were going to try to do Fantasy Star Nova. Uh, so if you don't know Fantasy Star Nova for the PlayStation Vita, that is a, um, a local ad hoc only, uh, Vita game. So if you want to play multiplayer, you have to be around people. But, uh, there's this service called X-Link Kai. Uh, where you can basically fake a ad hoc online and then play, uh, you know, uh, quote, local ad hoc with people online. Uh, and I tried to figure out how to get it to work with my my friend, but unfortunately we didn't make a lot of progress. We were able to test some other consoles. Uh, we were able to get like Xbox 360 connected and, and, and be able to get like a Call of Duty 4 match going via System Link stuff. Uh, but we weren't able to get the PlayStation Vita to to verify. We could we could like connect it, but we'd only see like the MAC address for it, and it's saying, "Oh, it's a configuration issue." So because the 360 work, it it makes us think that it's probably not a network issue per se. Um, but we just don't know at this point. So I think we want to explore that a bit more, figure that out. Um, this group, I think we're all very interested in playing Fantasy Star Nova. It's just a matter of we all live far away from each other. So so it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to, to do uh, local ad hoc. Maybe, maybe like half the group could. They, they live um, somewhat close to each other, so they probably can make something work out. Um, but but at, least, uh, at least for me, I'd be way down here uh away from them so i don't know we'll see i'm interested in playing face star nova i don't know if the fan translation for that game is finished i haven't hacked my playstation vita yet either um so i wouldn't be able to play the fan translation without doing that um and then you know the game being in japanese we'd have to see you know how how accessible that game is without <laughs> without any english uh but i don't know i, I feel like fantasy star Nova fantasy star is a big enough name that there's probably enough people out here who have talked about that game online that we could probably figure out something to to, to get around any kind of language barrier stuff or anything like that so i want to explore that a bit more but we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens um yeah it just it's just going to take some effort and the x-link kai community doesn't seem super responsive when it comes to Vita questions. It does not seem like the Vita is a very popular uh, platform when it comes to that service either. So I think there's just not a lot of interest in them to, to you know, help people out who are having Vita issues. But we'll, we'll see. I need to, um, I, I tried messaging the Discord group and basically got nothing. Uh, but I might go on their forums and see if I can post about it and see if I can get some help that way. And then finally, uh, this is old stuff. Uh, I, I played some more Peach Peach Splash this week. Uh, so... If you if you weren't here last week, basically I found a group who plays Peach Peach Splash every Friday. I don't know how much I should like re-explain Peach Peach Splash. I think I talked about it last week a little bit, but basically it's like a water gun fighting game with Sinner characters. It's actually very fun and a very unique. 
I haven't seen anything that looks quite like it, at least. And uh, what I think what I've kind of enjoyed uh, with playing with some of these people that some of them are like very, I guess you could say, Peach Peach Splash veterans. They've they've maxed out their rank at some point while while doing this stuff. And it's been interesting to see the different strategies that are available in Peach Peach Splash. If you don't know, there's like five or six different weapon types. Um, and then you get like these cards that are like act as power ups that you can use to either attack characters, buff yourself, you know, shield yourself, things like that. Um, and depending on what kind of weapon you're using, you kind of want to mix and match cards that match with that. And so when Peach Peach Splash was somewhat more active, it seemed like sniper rifles were kind of like the way to go. You basically would buff yourself up so you have the ability to one-shot people and then just do that the whole time. <laughs> um, uh, because it's this whole weird mechanic where like if you hit somebody and you don't kill them, they get the shield and things like that. It's I won't go into it too much, but basically the, the sniper rifle would get around the fact that somebody would have a period of time of invulnerability after they got shot. Um, but it seems like there are, are strategies for, um, for some other weapons too. Uh, there was a guy who was basically using like these, uh, uh, ability to go like invisible and then knock people over using like a melee attack. And then there's this like gun that I would consider more of like a support gun. Uh, when you spray other characters, they get in this, uh, this mode called like soaking wet mode. And then they basically don't have to reload their gun ever. They can just keep shooting. So if they're using like a sniper rifle, they can just like basically shoot it nonstop during that period. And so it's like a little spray gun that's that's kind of geared towards that, but it can also hurt enemies. So he would basically knock you down and then like go up to you with the spray gun, just like spray you <laughs> really close. And it does a lot of consistent damage when you're like right on top of somebody. So so he was kind of just tearing people apart with that. And it was cool to see some other strategies that weren't just, hey, sniper, <laughs> be, be good at sniper. I've been using um the rocket launcher more recently because, you know, the game does have some latency issues. We're playing on global servers as well, which doesn't help. Um, and so it's kind of nice to just have like a big bit of splash damage that, uh, that I can just generally aim at people and then hopefully, and then hopefully knock them out. And as long as they're like fairly low on health, I can usually, I usually can, uh, KO them if I hit them. It's just a slow traveling bullet. So you got to kind of catch people while they're not paying attention and things like that. So still really enjoying Peach Peach Splash. Plan on trying to, um, continue playing that every Friday for now. Uh, if, if it makes sense at some point, maybe some Friday I'll go ahead and stream it as well. I tried to do a Peach Peach Splash stream uh, about a year ago, if not more, and unfortunately ran into the issue of nobody was playing. So it was it was uh, basically just me sitting in a matchmaking room for for like 30 minutes and then being like, well, it didn't work out. But uh, if we can guarantee that there are people at that time playing, uh, then maybe I can uh, maybe I can do like a, a short stream during the the during the hot playtime of PBS where at least four people are usually playing. <laughs> Uh, it'd be nice if there's more people. If you want to play some Peach Peach Splash, we would be happy to have you. The only thing you need to know is that if you if you bought Peach Peach Splash but not have not played it, uh, the multiplayer does require you to level up your character and weapons first. Well, I mean, you can go into multiplayer, but you're basically useless junk until you do that, unfortunately. So, so there's a bit of a, a, a requirement to getting into the Peach Peach Splash multiplayer, unfortunately. But if you are able to do that, um, then we would be happy to have you <laughs> more more pbs people the better we had i think we had like five to six people last week which was pretty fun get into the news this week uh i think everybody saw that that xbox series x third party uh i guess you could call it like nintendo direct kind of thing what is it called inside xbox or something they had some some um like world premiere xbox series x gameplay thing that they put out and uh unfortunately as you probably saw on the internet if you're you know tuned in at all to what's going on in the gaming industry everybody was pretty upset because there was not a lot of gameplay at that gameplay premiere <laughs> um uh event 
but I did see a few trailers that kind of caught my eye. Uh, one was Bright Memory, and I, I think we talked about this before on the podcast a long time ago. There's Bright Memory is like a, uh, uh, I think it's a Chinese developer who who put it out on Steam. It's like episode one of it. And uh, I think it sounds like that the the episodic format's going to be uh, kind of canceled at this point. But a lot of people seem to have played that and enjoyed it. It's like a, a first-person shooter with some melee elements, so you can think a lot like of Red Steel 2 or something like that, but maybe with like a bit more momentum to it. Although Red Steel 2 has some powers that kind of like let you kind of dash in and out of of, of combat and stuff like that too so so it does kind of look very red steel 2-ish in in that regard uh which is why it kind of caught my eye but the uh you know it being a a uh budget game and and one that was not really like regulated by a publisher or anything uh i think the the thing that was floating around at the time was that it was using stolen assets from other games <laughs> so it sounds like that from what i read has been cleaned up since then and that uh and this new one they're doing bright memory infinite um, sounds like it's going to be worked on by at least multiple people is what I think I was reading during the actual show. They said that it was made by one person. Uh, but, but I saw some reports later saying that the episode one was made by one person and that the, the new stuff was being made by more people. Um, but I don't know for sure how, how true that was or wasn't, but I'm interested in that game. I've always wanted to try out the episode one and someday maybe I will. Uh, I think it's only on PC right now, but this uh, this is on Xbox One X uh, and and PC, I'd assume, for bright memory. Wouldn't be surprised if it comes to other consoles at some point, too, but I think they've only talked about Xbox One X so far. Or, sorry, Xbox Series X. Microsoft, your naming scheme, please, dear God. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, anyways, uh, the other game that was in there was Scarlet Nexus, and oh, man, Scarlet Nexus. Let me say this about Scarlet Nexus. It looks like a fairly generic PS2 action game in some ways. I'm actually kind of okay with that, and I really liked what I saw for the most part, but like, there's, some, there's, like, almost, there's like a level of blandness to it that I feel like uh, that most anime games don't really have these days, but I found it kind of charming that it looked that way in some ways. I don't know. I don't know why, um, but I, I could have sworn this game was a shift game. Like I was looking at this, looking at the monster design. Like this is a shift game. Like there is no way it's not a shift game. Apparently, it's made by being made by people who worked on Tales of Vesperia of all things. So okay, I guess I'm still convinced shift is like I'm still convinced shift is involved in some way or like some of the art directors from shift or something because that game looks god eater as heck. Like the monsters in particular look very god eater. They look like origami. Uh, which are the monsters from from God Eater? So, so I I'm not convinced yet that Shift has nothing to do with this. If you don't know, Shift is the developer of God Eater, Freedom Wars, things like that. Um, and this looks very much like their style. But apparently, it's being led by some Tales of Vesperia people. Looks pretty neat. It's going to be on Xbox Series X, PS5, and then PS4 as well. I'd imagine PC as well for that. Um, I might pick that up. It's, it's one of those things that's like cool that it's like going to be like one of those early games on the system and it catches my eye, but there's a very good chance it'll just pass me by uh, a game that I can, I can think of that, um, kind of was that for me was night nights of azure uh that was like an early i don't know early ps4 game but it was it was one of the ps4 games i wanted before ps before i got a ps4 and then uh it just kind of eventually faded to the back of my mind it's like i still want to check it out but i don't know if i ever will i have that thing like a launch Games that come out like the first year of a platform tend to stick with me for some reason. Like I have a lot of DS games that I'm just like, I would love to play Guilty Gear Dust Striker someday. Someday I'd like to do that. Like to play that weird Pokemon racing game. I forget what it was called. Pokemon 
Tapper. I don't remember what it was. There's some weird Pokemon DS racing game that was bizarre on the DS. I, I like Lodge Windows games for some reason. They just, I guess because they kind of define a platform early on. So, but this is multi-platform. It'd be on PS4 as well. So, you know, I'm going to guess it's probably going to not really push the new platforms very hard, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I guess that kind of leads into another conversation about, you know, Xbox Series X because everything's going to be able to be cross-platform between Xbox One so far, at least as, as far as Microsoft has said, that sounds like that's going to be the case. I do wonder, like, um, how much we'll really see um, the improvements of things like, you know, fast loading and things like that. I imagine games are going to be designed with PS4 and Xbox One in mind. Uh, so, you know, we won't see the things that Mark Cerny was talking about during, like, the PlayStation 5 I don't know if you want to call it real. It's like the game developers conference thing where he's talking about like, oh, the map design was built in a way so you can hide loads. And I'm going to guess for a while we're still going to see map design built that way um, because we still need to hide loads for PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, but obviously, once those systems finally get phased out, then then we can start seeing less of that stuff. But uh, the, 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 the real thing, though, is with Xbox Series X is that all games, from what I believe Microsoft is saying, is going to be compatible between both platforms right now, or at least all their first-party stuff. So I wonder if we're going to really see the benefits of that for a while. Where I think Sony has committed that they said some games are going to be PlayStation 5 exclusive, so... So we'll see. And the only other game that was on that uh, presentation that really caught my eye, and it wasn't really the game itself, honestly. I just thought the trailer was kind of fun, was the Vampire the Masquerade 2. It was just a cute trailer, I guess. Cute trailer in the sense that there's a bunch of dead people being hanged up and with smiley faces around a Christmas tree. Uh, but I like that kind of goofy sense of humor in a trailer. Uh, whether or not the game has any of that in it is another thing. I've never played Vampire the Masquerade, so so I'm, I'm actually not really sure of anything about what's actually in that game, to be honest with you. But I thought I thought the trailer was looked, looked very nice. Visually, it did not look like a great game. Um, there, there was definitely some, some of the Xbox Series X stuff, uh, gameplay trailers, there was definitely like a density to some of the environments that I feel like you didn't always see on previous platforms, uh, particularly with like a lot of the details on the, the backgrounds and things like that. Um, but it doesn't look like a huge improvement or anything like that right now. And I expect for third party stuff, especially the cross cross platform, third party stuff, we're probably not going to see a lot of that stuff. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see what Microsoft stuff looks like between Xbox one and Xbox series X, because if they're going to be played between the two, um, you know, how is it, is the Xbox series X version just going to look like an upgraded version of that? Or is it going to be a, you know, the, the Xbox one version uh, it's just a significantly downgraded version of the Xbox Series X version. I don't know if that, like, on paper, that kind of means the same thing, I think. But but I think it's like, which one is the lead skew? And I'm going to guess the Xbox Series X stuff will be the lead skew. But, you know, in the past, there's been some interesting downports as well. I think, uh, what was it? Uh, Titanfall, the Xbox 360 version of that game, apparently was very good uh, for, for, for what it was. Even though I think at the time, people thought Titanfall on Xbox One uh, looked pretty solid. So, yeah. That was that. I didn't really have as much of a uh, angry response to the whole gameplay thing as most people because they didn't really show a lot of gameplay outside of a few games. Scarlet Nexus being one of them that had gameplay, although it was kind of framey at times. But I think I just kind of accepted that some games trailers just are framey at times. Uh, just games in development. It's hard. Um, but uh, but yeah, I definitely didn't have as much as a vulgar reaction to, to being like, eh, no gameplay. Uh, but it definitely didn't feel like the, the thing they were promising in terms of gameplay, but we'll see it eventually. I'm kind of surprised how little we've seen of most games at this point, considering how far or how close we are to what is supposedly the launch of the next generation, you know, sometimes the next six months, 
Um, but but we'll see. I'll be I'll be curious to see how th- how things roll out. Microsoft said they're showing off their first party stuff in July, so uh, I don't think Sony's announced any kind of reveal stuff yet. So yeah, we'll have to see. One thing that also came out this week that was not officially announced was uh well it has been officially announced. There's that Final Fantasy XI remake game that was uh that's on mobile that Nexon's working on, and it's been kind of quiet for a while. I don't remember the last time there's been any kind of real official word on it outside of appearing in Nexon financials every year as an upcoming game. Uh, but a couple of years ago, someone's job listing listed some screenshots for the game, uh, and so people found those, and that was kind of our first look at Final Fantasy XI Remaster in some ways. I think there's some other stuff that came out, but that was like the, the latest look at it, something that looked a lot more polished compared to some of the other stuff that, that showed up. There's this like really bad picture of like an Elvan and Ronfar that just looks like a generic Unreal Engine elf in like a generic unreal engine forest that picture looks really bad in my opinion um but but the other screenshots of like the mithras and fighting like a a giant turtle and stuff looked pretty good um but yeah so there's another leak of pictures um basically just some more environments um along with some uh hume kind of standing around looking in them and uh and uh galka as well um, nothing really new there. It's just a lot more landscape pictures and things like that. You're not really seeing any kind of combat or user interface stuff or anything like that. Uh, and there's a while where it was like uncertain of whether or not these were real images or not. They seemed very real. Uh, but then Nexon apparently filed a DCMA or a, uh, digital, is it DC, DCMA? Digital rights something. Anyways, they asked them to take it down <laughs> officially. Uh, so the screenshots did get taken down. I did find a couple websites that still had the list of them, and I, I saved them. I also posted them on Twitter, which I'll, I'll link in the uh, the uh, the show notes here of like the the one the ones with the characters in it. There are some background ones I didn't link as well. So if you can't find them for any reason, just let me know, and I'll I'll get them to you. Um, but yeah, so those are out there and around. Uh, I had bought my so I have like a Samsung Galaxy S. Seven, I think, or something like that. I don't know. I got it like four years ago, three or four years ago. I bought this for Final Fantasy XI R. The Final Fantasy XI R never came around, so <laughs> that shows you how long I've been waiting for it. So maybe, maybe when that game comes closer to release, that's when I'll take the time to actually get a new phone. I've been wanting a new phone for a while, but I haven't really had much of a reason to justify it. Uh, playing Final Fantasy XI R is not a reason to justify it, but you know, you know. Also, just another little short update here on Xenoblade Chronicles uh, Future Connected. I know we've talked about Xenoblade Chronicles the last few weeks, so so I'll try to keep this short. But they did put out some gameplay footage of the Future Connected content, so the epilogue content. And before I had been speculating that maybe there would be a new battle system similar to Torna and things like that. Um, and, you know, there's definitely new things about the battle system, at least in terms of some of the chain attack stuff. But um, it, it looks pretty much just like Xenoblade Chronicles battle system so far. At least the, the visual impression I get from the gameplay they showed is very much so, which is a little disappointing on my part, but maybe somewhat expected considering this is a part of a remake package rather than something being followed up on from a game like a year or more out. So so I'm a little disappointed that it looks so similar to Xenoblade Chronicles uh, gameplay, but, you know, we'll see. Maybe looks can be deceiving. Xenoblade Chronicles Torna's UI looks very similar to Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but uh, it actually plays quite differently in some ways. So so it could be maybe the same thing with, with Xenoblade Chronicles Future Connected, that on the surface level, it looks basically the same, but when you actually start interacting with it, it is very different. I only ever saw, like, three characters in combat, which makes me think that you can only have one of the... Um, no pawn in your party at once, or, you know, you have to leave somebody out of the party at a time, which I think is a little disappointing. If that, if that game is a cast of only four characters, I think it's a little weird that one character is just going to be left out. Um, 
maybe maybe you can do four characters maybe they just haven't showed that yet but i was kind of hoping they would increase the party size or maybe do something along the lines of like a xenoblade chronicles 2 where uh shulk and uh melia like team up with the no pawn and act as one character rather than rather than you know a separate entity for each one but We'll see. I'm still definitely going to check it out, but it is a little, uh, a little. I'm a little uh, disappointed by what I saw so far, but we'll see. Actually playing it is when I'll probably find out whether or not I actually like what that thing is. I'm a little worried that I won't like what it is, but but we'll we'll see. We'll see how things go. And then finally, also when I was and I noticed this when I was looking up the um, Kudan Cafe on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Japanese eShop. Uh, SNK Gal Fighters came out uh, on the Switch a while back ago in Japan. I think it finally came out in the US maybe. I'd have to double check on that. But either way, it's out. You can get it on, on at least the Japanese eShop if you want to. Which, uh, Gal Fighters, a Neo Geo pocket game. Um, I'm kind of interested in checking it out. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about Gal Fighter. Part of me, part of what made me look at it in the first place, outside of just like, you know, from people talking about it over the years, is uh, when I did that Hunex Fighters 98 video, uh, the characters in Hunex Fighters 98 are very like short, stout, and like have little limbs. And I was kind of curious how that compared to Neo Geo Pocket Color games or Neo Geo Pocket fighting games, because they had a very similar aesthetic, a bit like chibi characters. Um, but what's kind of different is that their limbs actually kind of expand where in Hunex Fighters 98, their limbs don't do do that so much. They're, they're just kind of normal-sized, tiny limbs, I guess. So they have to be, like, really close enough on an enemy where um, where Gal Fighter seems like it's about a bit more outstretched and things like that because the hands get, like, huge when you punch forward and things like that. So it looks cool. I'm, I'm definitely somewhat interested in checking it out. I'm not sure who handled it. I would not be surprised if, like, M2 did something on it, but I maybe I'm too too hopeful about that um um so i might check it out i don't know we'll see i, I have plenty of fighting games sitting around that it's a little hard to justify picking up another fighting game um on the system or on any system really uh because you know got blast blue continuum shift sitting around still after i picked that up and uh, dead or alive 4 i was actually looking at dead or alive 4 recently i was like oh after the whole um uh patty reveal trailer for venus vacations like maybe i should play dead or alive 4 i like dead or alive dead or alive games are good and I've never played four, so so maybe I'll do that. And then I think at that point I've played one, two. Well, I played two ultimate, I should say. I've never played actual two, so I played uh, one ultimate, two ultimate, uh, uh, dimensions, and five. So so I've got some gaps there that I'm trying to fill in because um, I do like that series a lot. Um, and and fighting games are thankfully very easy to kind of get into and, and finish up, especially a game like Dead or Alive versus like Blast Blue Continuum Shift was like a you know, has, has, you know, story elements, well, more significant story elements than like a dead or alive game. So anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. Right now I'm streaming and I'm going to hopefully not butcher this name, uh, Ocho Sama Sosomu, which is, I think translates to something like detective ladies. I'm playing that on stream, having a good time with it, making some decent progress. So, so I'm glad I was a little worried that game would be a little hard. Uh, I mean, admittedly, a lot of the stuff that I, that I've done so far in that game, I kind of already kind of had my hands on at some point. Uh, when we did the PCFX stream like two years ago. Um, so starting to make some progress in there. I'm on stage three. I'm not sure how long that game is. My my feeling is maybe it's about six stages long, but that's just kind of a gut feeling. I really have no idea how long of a game it is. Uh, but we're just going to keep moving through that. Um, I also did a little bit of a, a sparkling feather stream at the very end of that uh, uh, previous week's stream. So, so if you want to stick around to the end of that stream, you'll see some sparkling feather gameplay there. I'll talk about sparkling feather and more um more directly at some point uh maybe not 
on the podcast, I don't really know yet, to be honest. Because the whole reason, if you're like, hey, Ben, you're playing a lot of PCFX games. The reason I'm playing so many PCFX games is because I'm preparing for a podcast where I want to talk about the PCFX with somebody. Um, so so I'm trying to work that out. Uh, and and so hopefully we'll have that. Uh, it, won't be, it won't be soon, I will say that much. But hopefully I'll be planning it and recording it soon. I still am in the process of figuring out uh, the video for next month, which is uh, maybe not coming along as quickly as it needs to be. Uh, that is The Wizard of Oz Beyond the Olympic Road. I've dropped Valkyrie Revolution for now. Valkyrie Revolution script is making progress, but it was not making progress fast enough. So going to put it down, going to revisit it later with fresh eyes, hopefully. Uh, for The Wizard of Oz Beyond the Olympic Road, the script seems to be pretty good. I have not finalized the script yet, but I did start playing through it again. I was able to figure out how I want to record that game. And again, you know, playing it on emulator is not ideal, and I'm going to have to definitely lead that video with some kind of disclosure of like, hey, I'm playing this through non-normal means, and these issues are going to happen. I also have to talk about, like, you know, it's a lot harder to control the game on emulator, and so, you know, how I'm moving in the gameplay... Uh, may not necessarily be representative of how you'd move on the DS, which might sound silly, but a part of that game is how it moves. Um, like, a part of the game that I like to talk about. Um, so, it it's a little challenging. It's a little challenging with that. Uh, I really wish I had gotten in on the 3DS capture cards before they died out. If you don't know, if you weren't around... Uh, I was originally looking at getting a 3DS capture card, but right as that happened, uh, the uh, the company that was uh, making them shut down uh, because of the changes in Japanese laws with the reselling modded consoles and things like that. And unfortunately, if you want DS or 3DS capture cards right now, it is very difficult to find them. So basically, I'm doing some alternative methods right now, you know, mixing and matching, trying my best to make things work. Um, unfortunately, in the case of The Wizard of Oz Beyond the Lake Road, the options I have do not work with the exception of doing an emulator run, which again, I don't want to do, but here we are. <laughs> um, uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, and, and we'll put that together as for what's coming up this week tomorrow. I know, I know last week I, I teased it, it possibly coming out last week and it did not happen. Uh, but I have the Keith Shizuo podcast coming up here. So we're basically talking about, uh, budget game collecting and budget game selling. Um, so that I did that podcast with Keith from Keith Shizuo channel. So please check that out. Uh, that'll be going up tomorrow. Um, other than that, though, just the usual stuff. This podcast goes up every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. And the uh, stream is at 7 p.m. Pacific time every Thursday. So if you go and check out my stream, please come in, say hi. I'm playing some PCFX games right now. So, so you can come watch me be really bad at playing games at times. Like, it's really hard to focus on games when you're streaming. It's something I've been not very good at doing unless, like, nobody's there. Then that makes it fairly easy to stream. But once once people start showing up and start chatting, it's it's a little harder to focus, but it's just something I need to get better at. Um, and and hopefully hopefully we'll, we'll get there. So, yeah. All right. Thanks for coming. WalkShowPro.com is the website. I hope you have a great week. Bye.